Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 59. We are now in a licensing agreement with Paula Dean. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar shop, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I am thrilled to introduce all of you to Sandy Sandler. Sandy is a marketing expert and a creator of the worldwide best-selling product, the Bodabra. The Bodabra is a crafting tool that helps people make professional hand-tied bows. Her products and supplies are designed to transform the creatively challenged into creative pros. In Sandy's own words, the best way to be successful in business is to remain persistent, be unique, explore new markets, expand your network, and perhaps most importantly, never give up. If you're willing to do what others are not, you're that much closer to achieving your goal. I love that, Sandy. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sue. I am so excited to be here. I'd like to start off our conversation by our listeners getting a little bit of an indirect view into what you're all about, Sandy. And I do that by having you describe your motivational candle. The light shines on you while you share your stories, your experiences, and we all cannot wait to hear more about the creation of the Bodabra. So are you ready to light it up? Absolutely. Wonderful. Okay, this motivational candle of yours, what color is it and what would be the quote on that candle? Well, it's actually marbled. It's blue and white. And the reason that I say blue and white is because to me, blue is limitless. It's the ocean and the sky and it just has no boundaries. And white is pure and honest, and it's important to always have integrity in everything that we do. So I love the combination of both. And my quote is from Napoleon Hill, which is, our only limitations are those we set up in our own minds. And I can probably guess why you love that quote. My guess is that you don't have many limitations. Legal ones. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Definitely need that caveat. And do you think and refer back to that quote often, being an entrepreneur? Yes, definitely. Especially when you have a bad day, you know, because we all have them, we kind of have to sit back and go, okay, but it's going to get better. And you sort of pick yourself up and just keep going forward. Do you ever have those days where, I know I do, it's like I'll be at night after a rough day and it's like, why did I ever get started doing this? <laughs> you know, and then you go to sleep and then in the morning you get up and you're all excited and just ready to go again. That's why mornings are great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you kind of sleep on it, you wake up and it's wow. That, why was I even upset about that? You're right. And I think we all need the encouragement and mostly the knowledge that, All of us go through that from time to time. So when you're in that zone, just know that's part of the gig we all signed up for, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. A friend of mine 
said something years ago to me. He said, you know, if you take all of your problems and you throw them in a hat with everybody else's, you're going to reach right in and take your own out again. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I am not going to leave people in suspense any longer. I am so excited to hear the whole story about Bodabra. Any of you who don't know what it is, if you're near a computer or later, you've got to jump over onto the website and see what this product is all about. It is phenomenal. And anyone who's already in the gift basket business or gifting, making bows of any sort is probably well aware of the product already. Let's talk, Sandy. I mean, it never used to exist and now it does. Take us back to the beginning and let's talk through what happened. Well, pretty much I had a corporate gift business and I was successful and I couldn't make bows. And I had two, this wonderful gay couple and they were amazing and really creative and they would make all my bows for me. <laughs> and I also lectured at the gift shows and talked to people about how to grow their gift business into a corporate gift business. And one of the things I noticed was all of the how to make a bow seminars <laughs> were always standing room only and nobody could make a bow when they walked out. So I started buying all the tools to make a bow and none of them worked. And I don't know if you knew all sorts packaging, Penny or Rosemary. uh And I spoke with them and we said, well, gosh, what if we made a bow maker that actually worked? (laughs) And so I went and hired a design engineer and I showed him how to make a bow and we got videos and basically we put together the Bodabra. And it was amazing because I worked with some incredibly creative people and over the years, They've shown me ways to use Bodabra that I never even would have dreamed of. But that was how it started. So wait, let's get back to this design engineer. How did you know that that was what you should do? So you were, didn't all of a sudden imagine this product. You had observed and recognized the need. Exactly. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a design engineer. How did you get to that point? And then how did you research and find somebody? I did a lot of research. I spoke to people. I went to companies. Basically, it was through word of mouth. I went to a lot of different people. I went through the Thomas Register because back then you didn't really have the internet like you do today. Right Now you can kind of Google it. But at the time, I just had to do a lot of research. And I found someone and spoke to him. And a lot of it was just luck. Let's frame it in time. How long has the Bodabra been available? This was back in about, I started working on it. It was probably back in 98. All right. So, oh, going on 20 years almost. Almost, yeah. yeah. All right. So you created the product. Super cool and no surprise. And I will relate back to not just a regular blue or white candle, but a marbled candle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Same thing with the Bodabra for you, right? I mean, it was customers who are so creative because that's the field that we're in finding all of these new and exciting ways to use what really is a very simple product, but so helpful and so useful. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I found about the Bodabra, and I've always said this to retailers, is the Bodabra is your razor. And everything else in your store, well, not everything, but your ribbon and your picks and all of that are your razor blades. Mm. So you only have to buy one Bodabra. Unfortunately, they last forever. So, you know, once you buy one, you pretty much have it for life. But you're going to go through, you know, if you're in a gift store, you sell ribbon, you're going to go through a lot of ribbon and a lot of picks, especially if you show your customers how to use it. Plus, as your business grows, you'll have more employees. They're all going to be needing one if they're all doing bows. So exactly sales on that. But okay, let's back it up again one more time. You've made the product. Now, 
How did you go about showing it to the world? There were a couple of ways. One is what I found is like the obvious customer is a person that's using ribbon. So what I did is I went to ribbon companies and I partnered with ribbon companies at trade shows because I said to them, if I'm in your booth, I'm going to attract attention to your booth and just let me use your ribbon because if I'm using your ribbon, I'm going to sell your ribbon and then that's going to show my Bodabra. So I'm basically working for you for free in your booth, but you're giving me space. And so that was how I started to introduce it because, I mean, I didn't have the money to go to all of the gift shows. Right. So you would go into the booth kind of as an employee of their company showing your product. And then did you give them like a spinoff of the sales from the show or something to reimburse them? Well, I would sell their ribbon. Right. Okay. Because by using their ribbon in the Bodabra, and one of the things that I would ask them is I would say, okay, what ribbon do you want me to sell? And I would use that ribbon in my demos because... I know that you know this from your years in business, is if you're using a product, then the people see you use it, that's going to be what they bought. Sure. And I would mix and match ribbons. I learned in Europe how to mix and match different patterns of ribbon that I would have never thought to do before. Interesting. Gift Biz listeners, I want to point something out here. A couple of episodes ago on Gift Biz Unwrapped, we talked about Power Partners. That was with Julie Usum's show. It's actually titled Power Clusters. That is exactly what Sandy did here because she partnered with ribbon companies. So it's a similar audience, right? And so she partnered with them, put herself in their space at shows. They weren't competitors. They were complementary. So there were power partners. And that's how she got the Bodabra name out to the world. Exactly. That was how I started. Okay. And so then from there... Well, from there, this is kind of a funny story. Two things happened. I was at the hobby and craft show with one of the ribbon companies and the buyer from Michael's came to our booth and she said that this was the best product she saw at the whole show. I was beyond ecstatic. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is great. We're going to get into Michael's. Well, a couple of weeks later, the rep went and saw Michael's and I'm like, well, why didn't they buy it? He said, well, they already have a bow maker. I'm like, but it doesn't work. He said, yeah, but it sells. And I'm pulling my hair out going, I cannot believe this. And then at the same time, the rep came to me and said, okay, Kmart's interested, but they want you to take the video out of the box. And if anybody's seen the Bodabra, it looks like a bail cutter or a bookend. I mean, there is no way you can know how to use this product if you don't see the video. And especially at that time, the internet wasn't really viable yet. It wasn't viable at all. Now we have a ton of videos on YouTube at Bodabra Today and also on our blog, Bodabra Blog. But before that, we didn't have it. So if you didn't have a video, you wouldn't know how the product worked. So I said, no, as much as I would love to have Kmart carry our product, I'm not going to sell it because everything's going to be returned. Right. So I turned down that order and I said, and my background is international business. So I said, okay, Forget the United States. In Europe, a woman would rather have a little itty bitty perfect diamond than a three carat with a flaw. They care about whether things work. So I said, all right, I'm marching off to Europe and I'm going to find a company there. So I flew over to Christmas World, which is a, a huge trade show in Frankfurt. And I went and met with, like I went to every ribbon company and I found a ribbon company there. And I convinced them to let me come and be in their booth at the craft show, which was in Holland or the Netherlands a couple of months later. 
And the deal was that I would demo and that I would demo every other hour and that their person would demo regular bows every other hour. Any sales I got, they would allow me to take because I was going to bring traffic into their booth. Well, once we started showing Bodabra, we had a corner booth. So we had two tables set up with three seats at each table. Once the traffic started coming back, we never made bows by hand. We only used the Bodabra and it was nonstop from nine to six every single day. And at the end of the first day, they pulled me inside and said, can we please talk to you about distributing the Bodabra? We don't want you to give it to anybody else. Oh, wow. And so I set up my distribution with them. And so I sold a couple of containers to them before it even sold in the United States. So did you give them an exclusive over there in Europe for some time? Yes, I did. Is that still in place today? No, it's not because things changed over the years. But at that point, yes. That's a great story. And a couple of things I want to underline here. The first thing is, I really like how you talked about the fact that here's this big, huge (laughs) vendor. I mean, Kmart of all people, short of Walmart, Kmart, right? And And at that time, they were big. Huge and successful. At that time, they were really successful. I'm not saying that they're not now. That's not my point. But I mean, someone that would stop you in your tracks and be like, oh, my product in there. Oh, my gosh. But you weren't going to take it on those terms because you knew your product best and you knew not to set yourself up for a questionable outcome. And that had to be hard. That had to take some guts because you don't know if those offers are going to come by again. It was really hard. (laughs) I'm sure. But like I said, you knew what was going to make your product work the best and you took a pass, which kudos for you. I know it was years ago, but I bring it up because I want all of our listeners to think about that. If they're ever in a situation, you want to make sure that you're thinking of all of the different things that could break your plan and make sure when you accept things, even though they sound great, you cover everything and make sure you're setting yourself up for the best possible outcome that you can. The other thing that I really like about what you've just been talking about, Sandy, is you looked at other creative options. Going to Europe, not many of us would think that, especially 20 years ago. I mean, now people are flying all over. 20 years ago, people were starting to travel more for business on a regular basis. But it took a lot of courage from you to go up and do it that way and look at the success. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, for me, I should add, I used frequent flyer miles. <laughs> doesn't matter how you did it. You got yourself over there, right? But yeah. No, it was important because I just mm-hmm. knew that it was an option I had to take if I wanted to move forward. Sure. So let's round out the story so every, you know, we're not all left hanging. <laughs> what then happened so that you were able to entrench into the U.S.? Well, then I came back and I was really fortunate to have an opportunity to sell to QVC. And that was like, it was the most exciting and scariest thing ever. They asked you to give them, at the time, they wanted 5,000 units and they were giving me 10 minutes at like eight in the morning. And I thought, oh my goodness, I am going to literally end up buying a booth at a flea market (laughs) and and sit there selling these because there's no way I'm going to sell 5,000 units in 10 minutes. The deal with QEC is if they don't sell, they're going to send them back. But fortunately, we sold out. So it was awesome. And then I was on QVC for years. 
So again, you put yourself out there, you take the chance, you take the risk, say yes, and you just go all in and make the most of it you possibly can. And I had a plan if it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, contingency planning, one of my favorite things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just reduces the stress if you have another idea of what'll happen next in case you don't reach your goals one time, you do something different. This is all great, great success. We know Bodabra is a spectacular product Give us one of those times. Tell us a story about that night when you were at home, like we were talking about in the beginning, and you're like, why in the world did I even start this? Give us a problem that you encountered. Probably the biggest problem was, okay, I had my design engineer, and he was amazing in helping to come up with the design for the product for the Bodabra. But I also trusted him in developing the mold and I allowed him to make me think that I didn't know what I was doing. And so, which I didn't, <laughs> I knew nothing about engineering, building a mold, anything like that. But Right, and that's why you hired him, because he was going to be the professional. Exactly. The one who knew. Exactly. And we built them, you know, he had this guy in Phoenix who could build a mold, and it was $23,000, which was huge. And he convinced me not to go to the Orient and manufacture it there which was my first mistake. I should have gone straight to the Orient because it would have been much cheaper to make the mold. Even if I had to buy 10,000 units, the risk reward in the opportunity cost would have been much better for me to have gone directly to the Orient. Having said that, we made the mold. It was a faulty mold and I ended up with two tons of trash that cost $23,000. Were the pieces not fitting together or what was? It was just made wrong and it didn't work. The mold itself did not work in the machines correctly. Oh my gosh. And so what did you do about it? I made some calls. I found a manufacturer in Taiwan that I could work with. And I built a mold in Taiwan and ordered my 11,000 units that I had to order. And it actually ended up costing me more, but in the long run, less. Right, because then you were able to sell the product that was made off exactly, of it. Exactly, exactly. And then you had the mold for the future and a good connection and all of that. I did. But one lesson that I will tell people is once you work with a company in China and then you want to change manufacturers, whether it's Taiwan, whether it's China, you might as well just count your mold as gone. Yeah, you've got to start over. You've got to then create a mold with the next company, right? Exactly, because they'll tell you you can take your mold with you, but you can't. And it's okay. I mean, I've moved several times by manufacturing for various reasons, but it is something to keep in the back of your mind that going to the Orient is not a bad thing. You need to just weigh your opportunity costs and know who you're working with. So now let's jump over to today, Sandy. And you've now made a couple of versions of the Bodabra. Talk to us about how the product has progressed to where it is now. Like you mentioned, we have the regular Bodabra and then we have the mini Bodabra. And initially with the regular Bodabra, making the little itty bitty bows, like with eighth inch ribbon and making them so you have quarter inch loops, it's very difficult. And in the larger Bodabra, you could do it, but you kind of fumbled. So we were trying to figure out how do we make a stand, all different kinds of ways to do it. And we did that for several years. And I changed manufacturers. And with my new manufacturer, I kind of brought up to him, I said, this is one of the problems we're having. Do you have any ideas? And he said, well, why don't you just make a mini Bodabra? 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, <laughs> why didn't any of us think about it? The lesson there is it's always good to have a fresh set of eyes to look at an issue that you might not think is solvable. But if you have someone that comes from a totally different background that looks at it, it can open your eyes to an opportunity. Sure. I can absolutely understand having used the Bodabra in a past business, how that would not you possibly you couldn't possibly use it for that really small narrow ribbon at all right. so and it is it does sound like an obvious solution but your mind is going in a different direction so you don't think of it exactly with the mini you can literally make the littlest bow that you've ever seen so you've got it covered on both ends there exactly at what point in the whole process did you trademark or patent or what, like all, any of the legal registrations around the product? At what point did that come in the process? Right away. As soon as we had all of the designs, we got a utility patent and a design patent and then looked at you know, all the international patents. But now that you bring that up, one thing that I get a lot of people that come to me that have ideas and want advice on how to get started but they're afraid to share their ideas because they think somebody's going to knock off their idea. There's a real fine line there because if somebody wants to knock you off, they're going to knock you off because unless you're a mega millionaire, you're not going to be able to fight it. But there's a couple of reasons that things get knocked off. Number one is that you can't supply demand or your product's too expensive, meaning that somebody else can make it for a lot less money than you can. And those are why things get knocked off. But if you have a really good idea and you don't have a lot of money, you can do something like a provisional patent, which will protect you for a year. And you can do that through a company like LegalZoom, or you can hire a patent attorney. But it lets you feel more comfortable about going out and talking about your idea. Got it. And then I would suggest that you're right. I mean, I've heard this before. In fact, at the last Craft and Hobby show, I was with somebody who goes and looks at products and sees what products they can go to China and make, mm -hmm. which didn't sit totally well with me, I might <laughs> add. But adding the layer you were referencing a little bit earlier in our talk about having YouTube videos and you being at the shows and all of that personal overlay that there is to the business, other people who are going for the cheap play aren't going to do it that way. They're going to build something in subpar materials. It's just not going to fit together right. It's not going to be proper. So if you have passion for your product and you build it correctly with the patenting and all of that that Sandy's talking about, and you do the other stuff because you're so passionate about it, you're adding in that personal layer, you're much more protected. Would you agree with that? I would. And then another thing that I advise people is to try to knock yourself off. Oh, that's interesting. Because if you can go and, and tr see what somebody can actually knock you off for, then you've got at least you know, you're, you're, again, that's me, I'm a planner. Mm -hmm. Then at least you know what could happen. You, you know your alternatives. And maybe in the end, you're creating another version of like a more basic version of your product or something. Exactly, exactly. All right, question for you now. So Bodabra is available online. Can you buy it in Amazon? Yeah, you can buy it in Amazon. You can buy it on from our store. You can buy it at Walmart, Michael's, Joann's, Hobby Lobby. Is there anything specific that you could share with our listeners of ways that you've seen that the product moves the best? Yeah, I mean, it's really important that people see how the product works. One of the hardest things that I faced initially was people had bought other bow makers and they're like, oh, well, I already bought one. It doesn't work. <laughs> they're, they're putting all bow makers in the same category. Exactly. 
So the social media, it's such an important aspect of what we do. And I'm so grateful that it's there and that we can use it the way that we can today. I mean, years ago, it wasn't. For instance, our product is in the craft section in Walmart on the bottom shelf underneath the ribbon. If someone takes a Bodabra, you don't see all the other Bodabras. But yet Walmart sells a lot of Bodabras. And I know that the reason they're selling a lot of Bodabras is because people are seeing us online. It's not because people are digging underneath all the ribbon and looking for the Bodabra boxes. Well, it's because they are, because they know that they can buy it there. Exactly. So you're doing YouTube videos and then are you doing Facebook ads to the videos or how are you set up in that manner? We actually haven't done any Facebook ads at all. We'll probably start doing that. What I do is we have on our Facebook page all the time, we have new Bodabra projects. On our YouTube, we have lots of videos. Every Wednesday, we come out with a new video. On Monday and Tuesday, we have projects on our blog. And then on Wednesdays, we have videos. And it's great because we show all different kinds of projects you can make using the Bodabra. That's even better, really, yeah. than any Facebook <laughs> ads. I mean, demoing how to use it and what you can do and the variations and all of that. Perfect. Exactly. And now let's talk a little bit about working with chain stores like a Michael's. Is there any insight that you can give people who have a product in terms of the nuances of working that way versus directly with a customer who's purchasing one-on-one? When you're dealing with the retailer, there are a lot of demands that are set upon you. You have to deal with if there are returns, you have to deal with buybacks, you have to deal with advertising. If you want demos, you have to pay for those. I have a distributor in the United States that I work with. It's phenomenal because I let them handle the chains because I'm just one person. And I've learned in my years of business that outsourcing is amazing. So you're outsourcing different portions of the business. You're still keeping control over everything, but you're outsourcing the functionality, meaning the distributors can then deal with all of the chains. Well, exactly. I mean, my distributor, Doris, who is one of the largest craft distributors, and they're actually, they were just purchased by Michaels. They have 50, I think 55,000 or more products. So they're selling to Walmart, Hobby Lobby. They're selling to everybody. So they have all of everything already set up. Right. So I don't have to deal with all of the changes in all the stores and because it's a nightmare. I did it and I didn't like doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I know what I'm good at and that's not it. Mm -hmm. And I have a very good relationship with them. They're an amazing company and they basically import my product and then they sell it to the stores and they sell exclusively in the United States. Except, actually, this is a really exciting thing. I'm going to announce for the first time here. Ooh, drum roll. Well, I know. We are now in a licensing agreement with Paula Dean. No way. Yes. And we're going to be introducing our Paula Dean line of products fourth quarter. Wait a minute. So you're going to be ribboning lasagna noodles. Well, Paula Dean, what people don't know is she's an amazing crafter. When I was at her house a couple months ago, I walked in and there was this bust that was had shells all over. It was like shell art. And I thought, oh my God, that's like a $10,000 piece of art that she bought somewhere. She made it. No way. Uh, yes. I mean, she is an amazingly creative woman. Incredible. And the nicest person you'll ever meet. Wow. All right. You got Gift Biz listeners. We are lucky. We are in the know. <laughs> yeah. 
That is so exciting. So we're going to all keep our eyes peeled to see what happens with this. And you guys met Sandy here. I'm just telling <laughs> you that. <laughs> Super cool. Well, congratulations on that and many, many wishes for success with that project. That's Thank super. You. No, I'm really excited about it. As well, you should be. Let's roll over now into our reflection section. This is a look at you and we talk a little bit about how you were working and get a feel for what's made you successful as you've gone on. We've talked a lot about some of the challenges and how you've overcome things, but what trait would you say you draw on most that's helped you to be as successful as you are? persistence. <laughs> I don't give up. If the mold isn't made properly here, you're just going to find it somewhere else. <laughs> so exactly. there. And if they don't want videos in the boxes, you'll just talk with someone else again. Exactly. And research. I mean, I go with my gut and then I do a lot of research to back it up. Oh, there you go. That makes sense. So you're knowing that you're going to drive forward and find a solution and then you have a gut feel for what it is, but then you also confirm that, yes, this makes sense. This is where I'm going next. Exactly. All right. And what tool do you use regularly to help you keep productive or to create some type of balance in your life? Balance? What's that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, can, we can all wish, right? Um, no, actually, it's my walks. I love walking. And that's my escape time. I listen to podcasts or I listen to audible books. <laughs> you can never stop learning. That's probably my biggest thing. It's education. And we're so fortunate now because there's a million different podcasts out there. I mean, there's so much free information that you can get. You sound very much like me that there's so much information you want to just soak all of it up and always be listening and always learning and all of that. And I will caution everybody, there's a point where, because some people can get into this fear of missing out, the whole FOMO thing, and you capture so much information that you never take action. You have to create a real balance between how much you're listening and learning versus doing in your business too. Well, yes, I couldn't agree with you more. I sometimes find myself, I won't say I find myself challenged with that. What I do find myself challenged with is going to sleep and turning it off because I keep wanting to hear more and more. <laughs> I agree. No, it, it's your, I, I, yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you can just keep going on extra long walks, right? Yeah. Vivi loves it when I'm listening to a really good book or something because our walks are longer. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And share with everyone who Vivi is. Oh, Vivi is my Siberian Husky and she's amazing. She's actually a service dog. Um, I have her for a medical service dog. So she's incredible. And she's beautiful. I'm looking at her right now in the Skype picture as we're recording. Oh. <laughs> as are you, Sandy. Uh, you, both, you both, I should say. <laughs> but we don't have to Photoshop Vivi. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there wasn't much Photoshop in there either. But we shall move on. <laughs> um, what book have you read lately that are, you think our listeners could find value in? Read you know, or listened to? I actually, way. I listened to it on Audible. <laughs> All right. Um, and it's funny because I'm shocked that I never read it before is Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. It is the most amazing book. It's like the grandfather of all motivational and success books. I wish someone had given it to me when I was a kid. Did you just happen upon it recently? Yes. I mean, I'd heard about it for years, but I just never read it. And 
I was like going through my little audible thing and I'm like, you know, maybe I'll listen to this. <laughs> Sometimes we forget that some of the older books are so grounded and they're still available and popular because they're so good. I really believe that this is the basis of every motivational speaker and every success book that you buy today. So Gift Biz listeners, just as you're listening to the podcast today, you can also grab Think and Grow Rich right from Audible. And guess what? I've teamed up with Audible. If you haven't already, you can get a free book right from there on me. All you need to do is go to giftbizbook.com and make a selection. Okay, Sandy, I'm now going to invite you to Dare to Dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, one of the reasons that I started Bodabra was because I always felt very creatively challenged and kind of craft phobic, if I may. Over the years, I don't feel that one anymore because I've been around these amazingly creative people and I've learned that I'm actually creative. <laughs> and what I've noticed is kids today don't get arts and crafts. The schools have stopped offering shop and arts and crafts and home ec and all of those kinds of courses. You know, with the computers and being plugged in all the time, families don't sit down and do arts and crafts unless somebody's lucky enough to have a mother or an aunt or a dad or an uncle who is into crafting. So several years ago, I started a nonprofit called Crafters for Kids. And the idea was to get really quick, like five minute crafts that cost nothing so that a parent could sit down just for five minutes and do an arts and craft project with their kids. Because I believe that that fosters family, it fosters creativity, because there's no right or wrong way to do a craft. Doesn't matter if you color in the lines or out of the lines. I mean, Picasso definitely never colored in the lines. Um, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> it's just giving kids an outlet with their hands and with things that they find even if they go outside and grab a stone and paint it, it's so fun and it lets them feel like they've accomplished something. I know it sounds so funny, but I would make things on QVC because I was so insecure. I actually would hire somebody to help me figure out what I would make because I was so insecure. And then I would make it and I'd be so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's a reason why children who are in some type of counseling will be asked to draw because something comes out, something non-verbal based on what they're feeling inside versus what they can put on paper. There has to be a reason why that happens. And there, there has to also be a reason why there's a healing and there's passion and all the things that you're saying when you get this sense of satisfaction that you have made something with your very own hands all by yourself. There's something kind of surreal about it, I would say. Exactly. And so my dream is to be able to really focus on that and bringing arts and crafts into people's lives. Tell us more about how we can learn more about Crafters for Kids. Well, we have a website. It's older. I haven't done anything with it for a couple of years. But it's if you go to Crafters, C-R-A-F-T-E-R-S, the number four, K-I-D-S dot com, there's a whole bunch of free stuff there. And I'm going to start getting back to working on that again. I love that as your gift. 
I'll give that to you every day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And I'm going to also put this, um, you didn't include it with all the rest of your information for the show notes page. Can I put that on there as well? Oh, absolutely. Okay, super. I'm going to put a special section just in case you guys are listening. You're going on one of those long walks that we were just talking <laughs> about. You can jump over to the show notes page if by chance you forget the Crafters for Kids name. Additionally, on the show notes page, I have all the information on the Bodabra. And honestly, you guys, anybody who is in any type of a crafting where you're needing bows, if you don't know about this product, you really need to. So we've got an Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all different types of things where you can go and absolutely check it out. And totally reasonable in terms of price point too, Sandy. Oh, yeah. It's really cheap. It's all that ribbon that you start stocking up on. That That's where the price adds up. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm addicted. I need to go into ribbon rehab. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So pretty much everything, and again, it's on the show notes page, but pretty much everything has Bodabra connected with it in terms of, you know, in the um, links. But Sandy, if someone wanted to talk to you directly, is that possible? And if so, where would they go? Oh, absolutely. They can just email me at bodabraatme.com. I answer all the customer service stuff on Bodabra personally because I like to know what's going on. Sure. Keep your hands in the business. Know how people are feeling. Yeah. Very smart. Another huge tip that we're throwing in near the, near the very end here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sandy, thank you so much. It has been so incredibly interesting to hear the history of Bodabra, having used the product forever, it seems like, ever, almost ever since it got started. And then hearing the story and some of the challenges and how you've overcome them and just a lot of really good information for all of us as entrepreneurs to be able to relate to. Thank you so much. I appreciate your getting together today and sharing all of this information. And may your candles always burn bright. Learn how to work smarter while developing and growing your business. Download our guide called 25 Free Tools to Enhance Your Business and Life. It's our gift to you and available at giftbizunwrap.com tools. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by The Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a Happy Birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. Would you like to be on the show? Or do you know someone who can provide valuable insight from their experiences? If so, we'd love to hear from you. All you need to do is submit a form for consideration. You can access the form at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash guest. That's giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash G-U-E-S-T. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.